opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today I'm so excited because we are going to be talking about personal communication communication skills for productive relationships at work. And I have been reading these, I've just finished reading both this coaching manual and the workbook, New Ways for Work, Personal Skills for Productive Relationships. And this is by Bill Eddy and Georgie uh, DiStefano. And they are doing this as a project of the High Conflict Institute. We've had Bill... On our show, several times he talked about his previous book, It's All Your Fault at Work. He's a mediator. He's a a great speaker, a wonderful trainer, and I'm so glad he's a friend of mine. So let me tell you, if you didn't get to hear Bill before, you uh, can hear him today, and you can go to conflicthealing.com and listen to his previous interviews with us. But let me tell you about this great guy from San Diego, Bill Eddy who is an attorney, a therapist, a mediator, a great professional speaker, a trainer, and the president of the High Conflict Institute based in beautiful San Diego, California. He provides training to professionals worldwide on the subject of managing high conflict personalities, and he has given seminars to attorneys, mediators, judges, mental health professionals, human resource people, employee assistance professionals, hospitals, college, so much more, even law enforcement. And he's also presented in over 25 states, several provinces in Canada, France, Sweden, Australia, and New Zealand, and I've heard him several times, and I just am so thrilled to call him my friend. You can find out more about him, see his picture, pictures of his books at conflicthealing.com, but also at his website at highconflictinstitute.com. Bill, thanks so much for coming back on the show. We love you. 
Oh, my pleasure, Mari. I'm so glad to be on again with your program. So let's talk about these high-conflict <laughs> employees and managers. You know, who are these people? Well, <clears throat> they're, first of all, they seem to be increasing. So what we're seeing is people who really get stuck, and they seem to have some personality patterns. So they could be anywhere. It doesn't matter what occupation what income level, what intelligence they have. They seem to have these four main characteristics. One is they have a lot of all-or-nothing thinking. Another is they often have really intense or unmanaged emotions. Right. Another is uh, extreme behaviors. They do things 90% of people wouldn't do, like they, they start screaming at somebody or they storm out of a meeting. Uh, but the fourth is a preoccupation with blaming others. They can kind of see what everyone else is doing wrong, but they can't look at themselves. And because of these characteristics, they often stay stuck in conflict, increase conflicts, and actually create some conflicts that otherwise wouldn't exist. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad enough when it's a fellow employee, but when it's your manager, oh my gosh, that's even worse, right? That's correct. And actually, with High Conflict Institute, we get requests for information and we keep track of the, the hits on the articles that we have on our website. And the most popular article is How to Manage Your Narcissistic Boss. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems, it seems that bosses are what we hear the most about, and it makes sense because they have more power over an employee's life. And also a lot of bosses, uh, managers, are never trained to be managers. And so let's say about 75% were never trained to be managers. So they're kind of acting out of their personality without any uh, restraint and a lot of pressures in business and organizations today. People basically go, well, you know, he just had a bad day. Um, but that's not always the case. No, no. So can they really be helped to change? I mean, if, if they're really one of these people, the, they're a narcissist or whatever, is it even possible to change them? Well, it's, the answer is it depends. And so uh, Georgie DiStefano and I developed this new ways for work method to really give people a chance to kind of round off some of the rough edges in the workplace in terms of conflict behavior. And some people learn who used to be difficult and are able to manage themselves better, be more positive, better at problem solving, less reacting, and some others don't. So the, the thing that we say is, Give them a try. In other words, have them go through the new ways for work coaching. And you mentioned we have a manual and workbook for that. So it really structures people in learning skills with writing exercises, uh, discussions they have with their coach. Um, so you can see who's able to learn in three to eight or 12 sessions of coaching some people are, and they really move forward and do well, and some people just remain stuck, remain angry, blaming others, etc. 
And our belief is that that's one way to figure out who can you kind of rehabilitate and keep and who do you need to let go. Right, right. And you would think that um, if someone is possibly going to be let go and they need that job, that that might be a motivation that they want to change themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, well, here's, here's what's interesting, and, and I can give you an example. There was um, kind of a tragic example of, uh, this just happened a week or two ago, is a woman was employed by a university um, in charge of one of their uh, programs, and she was uh, terrible. She was very verbally abusive, uh, telling people they won't amount to anything. This is just people. This is students, some of them just getting back to going to school. Maybe they've been, been uh, uh, raising children, coming back, or just going directly from um, into the college program. And, but she was so hard on people. I guess this was one teenager. Maybe this was a high school academy, and I'm not going to name the name of it. Mm-hmm. But she, had, um, she was terrible, and one of the uh, students ended up committing suicide oh. and writing in her journal basically all the things that had been happening to her with this one teacher. <sighs> and afterwards, the, um, the school... A lot of people came out and complained about this one woman, this teacher, and said that they looked and they found that she'd been in different schools before and had been confronted about her verbally abusive behavior, told to change. And the thing that was missing, I think, is they didn't teach her the small steps of how to change right. and then see this is someone that just can't change or that she would have changed. And because she promised to work on that stuff, but it didn't matter. You, you can't change. It's like an alcoholic. Right. You're saying, just promise you'll stop drinking. Yeah. And we know that doesn't work. No, <laughs> no. And you know, I, I read so much about emotional intelligence, and I've done workshops on it, as you know. And there's a big difference between IQ and EQ, you know? Yep. You could be really smart, but you may not have any idea on how to manage your emotions and how to deal with your emotions. And the beauty of our brain is that you can learn this, but you have to want to do it. And that's, that's, I think, the huge issue. I mean, we can change. There's so much neuroplasticity, which you know about. You talk about that all the time, is that we can change our neural pathways If we really want to, but it just doesn't, if we don't know what we're doing and we don't have any help and we don't have any guidance like your book, you know, New Ways for Work, then, you know, you tell somebody change and they don't know how to do it. They just don't know how. And and that's, I think, a big problem today in the workforce is because people, people threaten employees or managers or they, you know, you've, you've got to promise me you'll shape up or or whatever, and people actually say, okay, I'll work on that, but there's no structure for it. Right. And so without a structure, it's really hard to, um, to, to resolve what to do um, just by willpower. And yeah. In other words, I really see many of the really high-conflict people as having some traits of personality disorders 
which in many ways is similar to treating an addiction, treating a personality disorder. People are stuck in a pattern of behavior that's going to take weeks and months to change. Right, right. And you talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically this is what it is. It's using all of the the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy, which are so successful in, in getting people to change and starting to see new ways. And I, I would think that people who are high-conflict people who are constantly in this stress mode and this anger mode, that if they start to see themselves being able to manage their emotions, it gives them some peace. It gives them some new friends. It gives them some better relationships. There's a payoff, right? Oh, yes. And what's interesting is is actually... By learning the skills, we see people feel better about themselves as well as managing their relationships better. And one of the things that's interesting is you said people have to want to change. And what we find is they, they want to change after they've experienced a positive change. Right. And so we say, look, you don't even have to like this. Just do it. Just <laughs> learn the behavior. And then people go, oh, yeah, I like this method. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's, that's part of what we're learning is you have to give people structure. You have to give them skills, make the skills small, teach them in small steps, and have a lot of positive encouragement and that's what it takes to change behavior, not willpower or promises or threats. Right, right, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how New Ways for Works really helps employees who are in trouble. Okay. Well, it's organized around four uh, big skills, and these skills are managed emotions, flexible thinking, moderate behavior, and checking yourself. Mm -hmm. And within each of those kind of big skills, we teach small methods. So let's take, for example, managed emotions. One of the best ways to help manage emotions that's really simple is to teach yourself an encouraging statement, something you can tell yourself when times are getting hard. And since I do a lot of high-conflict work, times get hard, uh, around me uh, almost every day because I'm around people that blame a lot and they want to blame me. <laughs> right, after they blame the, the other disputants, then they turn around and blame us, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so one of my favorites is it's not about me. It's about their lack of skills. So right. if I can just remember, it's not about me. That's four words I can tell myself <laughs> before I go into a meeting, after I come out of a meeting, in the middle of someone saying, it's all your fault, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and I can just remember that's really not about me. It's that they're not good at managing their emotions. So, mm -hmm. so these kinds of encouraging statements really do make a difference. And I know because I've experienced it myself as well as, as you mentioned, cognitive behavioral methods. I worked for 12 years as a therapist and found those same types of methods were very helpful with depressed clients, with anxious clients, uh, et cetera, substance abuse clients. So, so learning an encouraging statement and then having them write, and that's why you have a workbook. So there's something for them to do. And when you write, you help embed it in your brain 
so that it's easier to pop up when you're in a situation in the future. So that's, that's just one example of one of the skills to go with managed emotions. Let's let's talk a little bit about managed emotions because I've I've been reading so much about the brain and interviewing neurologists on this sh- on this show and one of the things that um, I thought was so fascinating to really recognize a lot of people don't recognize it that managing emotions doesn't mean denying them because then they come out insidiously <laughs> right and and, right. and that's what I wanted to point out because people you know you say don't get mad well you know what that's that's not going to happen you know I mean you talked about this in our recent program about how when something happens it goes through the limbic system and it goes through the amygdala and there is an automatic reaction to when somebody says something offensive you're going to get mad but do you have to let that anger rule you or can you manage it so once you recognize that emotion and i think that's to be able to deal with your emotion you first have to be aware of it right 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 and and i think with that as if you can put a name to the emotion you're having it loses a lot of its stressful energy so if you're angry and you just say even out loud, I'm angry, then, then you feel less angry. It's like, oh, that's what it is that's happening inside. Yeah. And so most of the time for most people, just saying, oh, I'm angry, helps them feel a little bit more uh, calm, a little bit more in charge. And that's, I think, the thing better to do than to try to shut it off. Right. And it's like, don't be angry, Bill. Don't be angry, Bill. <laughs> clenching your fists, you know, clenching your teeth. And just said, I, I am angry, and here's what I'm angry about. Here's what I suggest we do. Right. Rather than dumping anger, which is what people do, they either suppress it or dump it, is to make it constructive and say, I'm, I'm angry because, because this isn't, isn't going the way I hoped it would. Here's my picture of how I hope it will go. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing is redirecting upset emotions into solutions, and then people feel better. They don't feel as angry. Right, right. And if they can, when, as soon as you feel that emotion, if you can pause and take three breaths... You know, that seems to, be, and breathe into it, that seems to get you out of that fight or flight or freeze mode, you know, to at least yes. be able to get back to your frontal lobes, <laughs> you know, because the right. brain is so amazing. It just really is, right? Yes, and, and you're really pointing out something that's so important is that a lot of how to deal with our brains is actually very simple, once we realize it, like just taking, taking pausing to breathe is such a simple concept, and yet it makes a huge difference to what's going on inside our brain and our chest and our whole body. So much of what we need to do, we just have to fit it to how our brain works. It's not complicated. It can be very simple. Right, right. And and that's the beauty of it is once we, we, we can manage and when we talk to people about their high conflict, you know, I always tell them, do you want your emotions to rule you? I know if I have fear, fear is another emotion, you know, 95% of fear has nothing to do with 
any danger I'm in. It's not like a bear's about to come and eat me, you know. Right. <laughs> if right. I get fearful about maybe getting up to speak at something, you know, a lot of people have a big fear about speaking in front of a group, which, you know, you and I do all the time. But some people just that is such a terrible fear. But it's right. not really like there's a, a rattlesnake at your foot about to bite you. You know, that's that's a different kind of fear. So right. <laughs> it just feels that way. Yeah. And it's interesting because our social fears and our physical fears got tied together in early childhood because you didn't know if that big bear coming at you was something you should run for or not. So it got hooked together, but sometimes your parent is like the big bear yeah. or or the guy down the street is like the big bear. And so we kind of learn to, to look at social cues that warn us of physical danger, but you're absolutely right. Nowadays, say you're working in an office and you get a cue that's the same as if there was a big bear, you've got to be able to tell yourself it's not a big bear and if I run screaming out of the office, um, it's going to hurt my career uh, rather than save my life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, the other thing that's so important about what you're teaching in, in these books, New Ways for Work, Personal Skills for Productive Relationships, what's so important is for those people who are listening who want to get ahead in the workplace, who want to be a manager, who want to be a CEO, who want to have a great job, that EQ, you know, this kind of emotional intelligence that you're talking about is a higher predictor of success than anything else. It doesn't matter how smart you are, if you went to Harvard or whatever you did, if you can't manage your emotions, you're never going to get ahead, right? Right, right, absolutely right. And you know, they need to, and some people are starting to teach kids that in uh, elementary school. And it actually, a, a great example I read about maybe six months ago, the head of, I think it's the Ford Foundation in New York City, was a, a poor African-American boy from the South, Louisiana or some rural area. And when he was eight years old, he was getting in trouble with everybody, his teachers, his friends, his parents, siblings, etc. A lot of issues going on. And I think it was a teacher that kind of sat him down and said, you know, I don't know what his name is, but said, like, Johnny, you're going to learn, have to learn to manage your emotions. And if you can succeed at that, you can succeed at anything. And I believe from what I read at eight years old, he absorbed that message. Hmm. Then he went on to college. He went on to travel the world and to become the head of the Ford Foundation. So it's very much wow. <laughs> a pulling yourself up by your bootstraps by managing your emotions story. So I, I think of that nowadays as a, a really perfect example because you can learn that at eight years old, and actually that's, that's a good time to learn that. You know, and we should be teaching that at schools. You know, I know it's yep. so important to teach it at work, but like I think this example that you just gave, Bill, is so important that we be teaching this in kindergarten, you know, or even before, you know, because a lot of parents don't know this. They scream 
scream at their kids. I mean, I see this. I want to die when I'm in the grocery store and I see some mother screaming at some poor little four-year-old. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what what is this going to turn out to be? It's just, you know, what can you, you know, I give them a dirty look. (laughs) And I, you know, I go, hey, you know, (laughs) sometimes I say something, but I have to really think it through because I feel like I want to, you know, strangle the mother or the father when they do that. (laughs) <laughs> but, you, you know, that you, wouldn't you be my managing emotions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it, it's, it's fascinating because I think it's part of our culture, part of the change that's happening is we're paying so much attention, say, through our entertainment to people not managing their emotions, losing control, and mm-hmm. that grabs our brain's attention. And so it's very entertaining for us as adults but it's training for children when see people see when kids see people losing control losing their self restraints not managing their emotions so while we're now starting we didn't have to teach this in the workplace maybe 20 years ago but mm-hmm. now we need to start teaching this and i think children are also learning at a younger age well there's other people that don't manage their emotions so right. why should i exactly. so i think it's it's kind of a partial answer to a cultural problem that we can teach simple skills one at a time to individuals who are on the edge, but help them kind of stay, take off some of the rough edges, but be able to stay uh, working in their job and and doing well or doing okay. They don't even have to be perfect. And with that, I wanted to mention one of the issues nowadays, I think, is people who want to go into management, especially working with different uh, generations, different cultures, and different genders. So one of the examples we have running through the workbook is a woman who um, is uh, wanting to be a manager in a tech field that's mostly men. Uh, software engineers, and so she wants to learn how do I resolve conflicts and how do I cope with them not always doing what I want them to do, and managing her own emotions is one of the key skills, as well as flexible thinking, which involves making proposals, as well as keeping her own behavior moderate so she doesn't overreact to people, because it's the tech field hasn't done well at keeping women, especially as managers. Um, and I think it's, it's harder, but I think if enough, say, women learn how to manage men and cope with these types of uh, behaviors, that they'll actually do extremely well. Yeah. And we're very hopeful about that. No, I think it's wonderful. I think you just need to expand it to the schools, at least, you know, at the very least, the high <laughs> schools. I mean, when I think about the video, the violent video games and all the violence on TV, I mean, it is not teaching, uh, you know, managing emotions. And then when people are not communicating and they're only texting with each other, you know, it's it's hard enough for me to get my daughter to call me back when she wants to text everything, you know. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and then people misperceive emotions. It's, you know, I it's, right. it's, it's, it's a challenge because we really need to see each other's faces. We need to look at the how those emotions are, are coming out. But we have about right. two more minutes. So I want to just ask you... Um, 
a little bit more or have you just tell us anything else you want to tell us about this wonderful new ways for work, personal skills for productive relationships? You know, who should be doing this? Let's let's just kind of pull that together. Well, any, anybody can benefit from learning this. And what's interesting is occasionally we, we get calls or emails saying, um, I'm in trouble in my workplace and they say I have to shape up. Do you have anything for me? Right. And we say, yes, we do. We have new ways for work that will help you. Um, and just hook up with a coach, go through the workbook, do the, the role play exercises, and that will help you. Um, we have some of the other skills is making proposals. So when there's a conflict, is rather than reacting to what the other person's doing, is say, so what do you propose? Or here's what I propose. And that's such a simple, simple skill, but it takes practice. We also have a method for emails. It's called the BIF method, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And we've taught that to about 15,000 people by now from the little book we have about BIF as well as our seminars. And people love it because it keeps them clean even if someone else is being hostile, inappropriate, uh, spreading rumors. They're not reacting in a hostile, inappropriate way. So, perfect way. That's a perfect way to end because we are just out of time. So, I want people to go to your website and see all the great stuff that you've been doing, Bill. Highconflictinstitute.com. Bill Eddy, you're wonderful. We will have you back again, (laughs) and we love you. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing in the world. Okay. Thank you so much, Mari. Okay. Bye bye. Some people die for love And I believe it's true Cause I do the same for you The opinions and views expressed in this program Do not reflect those of KUCI, its management Or the UC Board of Regents